Hey, what up, everybody? Welcome to the Strength Through Vulnerability podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Dahlborg, and in this week's episode, I had the privilege of talking to Patrick Verano. Patrick Verano is the founder of Emory Leadership Group and hosts a weekly podcast called Reimagining Leadership. He has a master's in organizational leadership and is trained extensively in the areas of emotional intelligence, influence, and personality. Many of the models he has developed are rooted in the research and real-world experiences from these three disciplines. Patrick has focused his career on helping individuals, teams, and organizations reimagine what it means to lead and succeed on a more conscious level. As well, he is a member of Forbes Coaches Council, the Harvard Business Review Advisory Council, the National Speakers Association, and is an adjunct instructor for SMCC. This was an amazing episode to record. You're going to love listening to it. I can't wait to hear your feedback. And it's coming at you in three, two, one. Hey, what up, everybody? Welcome to the Strength Through Vulnerability podcast. I'm here this week with leadership expert, Patrick Verano. Patrick, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Tommy, thank you so much for having me. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to this. This is uh, going to be a great, great conversation, I'm sure. Me too. It's going to be a blast. And, you know, it's, I'm so grateful that we connected through my dad commenting my name on one of your LinkedIn posts. And it was perfect because, of course, there was a video about vulnerability in leadership. And given the name of this podcast being Strength Through Vulnerability, I talk a lot about how important it is to be vulnerable with our feelings and be able to share our stories in order to allow people to know that they're not alone. There's so much power in that. And I thought, who better than you to come on and talk about the importance of vulnerability in leadership? So I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Sure. Um, We kind of had this conversation when you and I were talking a a week ago or so. And I I think I had mentioned at that point, I think as men, we've been sold a bill of goods that really is a sham in regards to, right, don't cry, don't show your emotions, you got to toughen up. And um, we have emotions. And I think it's Mm -hmm. important for us to be able to demonstrate those. I think that when we do that, um, we we certainly put ourselves in a vulnerable place to do that. But that said, I think that demonstrates a greater sense of courage and, and bravery when we're able to do that. And when we think of the word courage, we don't think of somebody that's weak. We think mm-hmm. of somebody that to be courageous, you, you need to take risks, you need to be strong. And to me, that's, that's what I loved about the title of your, your podcast as well around vulnerability. We, we need to be able to do that. Um, and leadership certainly is an area. And I think, um, as you know, when I talk about leadership, although I work with a lot of organizations, anywhere from the executive suite down to um, sort of the front lines, um, to me, leadership is not about a title. It's one of the quotes that I will often use is by John Quincy Adams. that says, when your actions inspire someone to dream more, do more, learn more, or become more, you're a leader. There's nothing in there about a title which to me says that we all have the ability based on our actions to lead and, and being vulnerable is, is part of that process. I love that. That's so good. And again, on your show, we talked a little bit about how 
the strength of being vulnerable as a leader is you get to relate more to your people. And I know I talked a little bit about how my boss was super real with me and he's not hiding his thoughts about this pandemic that's going on right now. And knowing that, yeah, he has some concerns has been incredibly helpful to me because I'm like, all right, like these concerns that I have around work are because of this pandemic are totally legit. And that's been really, really great. And that kind of leads me towards wondering for you, when did it become apparent to you how important vulnerability is when it comes to leadership? What kind of opened your eyes to that? Um, well, I think a, n- a number of things uh, opened my eyes over the years. And um, I-, I didn't start out in a place of really being very comfortable being vulnerability. I played the image of rough and tough and you got to right. I was a bouncer in college at a bar. I worked construction. I did martial arts. I played contact sports, all of those things. Right. And, and deep down, I, I look back and think a lot of that stuff was just not that I don't, didn't enjoy those things, but certainly there was a cover there of not really wanting to be vulnerable for the sake of thinking if I do, um, I didn't have enough confidence in myself at that point to be able to, to do that. Mm. And it's interesting because my company is Emory Leadership Group. And the Emory is actually my dad's middle name. And as I look at who my dad was, um, he died when I was 18 years old, but he was somebody that was not afraid to show his emotions. Mm. And you would think that I would have emulated that right out of the gate, but I didn't. He was somebody that was very comfortable in, in who he was, loved to cook, uh, you know, all of the, the other things that you might think were, you know, you, you can't be right mm-hmm. masculine and want to cook and do all these other things. He did. Yeah. There, were no, there were no gender roles in my house growing up. So certainly that was something that, that I never took on in any of my, you know, interactions that there was a gender role, but I had a great, a great role model. Mm. It just took me a while yeah. to have it connect in for myself. Absolutely. Oh, I totally can relate to that too. Cause my dad's the same way. You know, my dad is, he's just been an incredible father my entire life. And he's always been so good about being open with his feelings and his emotions. How yeah. like he, I've like seen my dad cry. Maybe he doesn't want me to say that on this podcast, but like, it's cool to be able to acknowledge like, it's okay as a man that you can like shed a tear every once in a while, you know? Um, so I totally relate with you on that. And of course, it took me a little while to kind of learn those things too. Cause we, like you said, we're sold a, what, what'd you say? Not, we're not sold a bag of goods. It was a bill of goods. Right? You know, bill of goods. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. So if you don't mind when you're talking about Please. it, I've seen my dad cry. Um, this, this just happened to me on Saturday. So our oldest son, uh, who's a senior at Xavier in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. he'd been home for a month mm-hmm. because of this crisis. Well, he's also, his he has a job in Cincinnati that he needs to find an apartment for. So he needed to head back last Thursday. And it was very difficult for me um, to to have him leave for a number of different issues. One is just concern for his well-being. But secondly, was that... Um, the unit, the family that we have has now changed a little because he's not going to come home for summers anymore. And, you know, he's, he's gone, not that he's not coming back, but that sense of he'll be home for the summer or he'll be home for Christmas break. Mm -hmm. There's a different transition now. And I think part of 
being isolated too, it really hit me on probably Saturday. I, I was pretty, pretty down on Saturday to the point that my wife and I were talking. And I was, I was crying about it. The sort of just the, that feeling of loss. And my two kids came in and they were sort of looking at me like, what's going on? Because like, they don't see that in me that often. And, they, and we had a conversation about it. And I think it's good for them to see that again, that, that what does it do if they can see me deal with those emotions of loss and sadness, it makes them more open to being able to demonstrate those to me because they're like, yes. if he can do it, it's okay. And to me, from a leadership perspective, I think that is so important that from a standpoint of vulnerability that we're able to do that. Not that we, we break down and cry in an office, um, it, it, and maybe, I don't know, maybe there are situations where um, there's a loss that somebody else experiences and you're able, you do that. I don't know. But what I'm saying is that we need to at least be able to demonstrate that that's in our wheelhouse. Because mm. I think what that does to other people around us, my ability as a leader to be able to say, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Um, I don't know the answer. I'm overwhelmed right now. I'm over my head. Whatever those things are, it demonstrates to people around us that I have enough confidence that I'm, I can say that at this moment. Now, with the, the caveat on that, that I don't want a person that I report to every day showing up saying, over my head again, sorry, made another mistake. I'm not going right, to, we're not going to follow that person. But I want to know that that person has that in their capacity to be able to do that. Because I know that if, if they can do it and demonstrate it, what does it do? Does it make me less likely to want to do it myself? No, it makes it more right. And if, if I'm reporting to somebody that I know that they can say, I made a mistake, I don't know the answer to this. I don't feel like I've got to have all this pressure to, to have the answers for everything. I can say mm. to them, um, I don't know the answer to this right now. Mm. That's so good. Yeah. Being vulnerable gives other people permission to be vulnerable too. I love that. Yeah. yeah we need that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and what you kind of, you started talking about how if you come in every single day, yeah, like from a leadership perspective, that's like, probably difficult. Time out. No, you're like time out. Okay, yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> are we are we doing a timeout on the podcast right now? Or <laughs> no, I totally agree, absolutely. And that actually kind of led me into something that I wanted to talk about too, which is what are the potential pitfalls of vulnerability from a leadership perspective is you spoke a little bit about how you can be too vulnerable. Um, are there any other like potential threats in that space? Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, it does. And I think, right, that's one of the things that probably holds people back. If I, if there's one thing that I hear in terms of, especially on a, on a leadership standpoint or on a, on a frontline leadership standpoint, you might have new, new managers that are going through a leadership development program. They will often say, when we talk about connections with the people that they work for, mm -hmm. and they say, I, I don't want to get too close to the people that I work for. And why? Mm -hmm. Right? Because mm -hmm. they're afraid if I do, I'm going to be taken advantage of. Yeah. If, if we get too close, we can't do that. And I disagree with that. Um, strongly. And the reason I do is because I think really what that suggests is if I'm the one saying that, that is my um, lack of competence in my ability to draw those lines, mm. right? Because we're pack animals. We need belongingness, right? We don't, isolation is not good for us as we can see yeah. right now. Part of the workshops that I do, one of the 
the behaviors that I would talk about is, is as leaders, we have a responsibility to create connection, to make people at work for us to feel as though they are included, that they're part of um, something big. Mm. That takes connection to be able to do that. And that takes, here we go again, vulnerability, but it, it takes, um, it takes breaking down the barrier that you're just here to work for me. And that it can often be a challenge, right? Is that people are thinking, nope, can't do that. And I will often relate it to, you know, I'll bring my, my kids in again, is that, and certainly my oldest son is with the longest, uh, we're the farthest along on this, but I will say he and I are best friends. That said, um, I'm his dad first, mm. that there's not, I'm not going to do things for him so that he will like me. Mm. And I think that's the pressure that I think managers might feel in terms of the vulnerability, like, uh, if I'm too nice, I'm going to get taken advantage of. So I counteract that with, you need to have very clear expectations. That's one of the other behaviors that I talk about quite often. And to me, that's the checks and balances of this, is that when we have clear expectations of what the rules of the road are and what, how, what we need from each other, the likelihood that we we run into problems become less once we hold ourselves accountable and the other person to that. We can't just set clear expectations. And then if you and I were working together and I was working for you and I start showing up late all the time and you're afraid, I don't want to say anything because I don't want it, uh, our relationship. Well, then we really don't have, we have maybe have clear expectations, but you're not holding me to those. Mm -hmm. When you hold somebody to the accountability piece of this, it, eliminates or strongly reduces the amount of times that you're going to get taken advantage of. That's how you, that to me is how I get around that is that you need to set clear expectations and then you need to follow through on them. Yeah. And then we don't have to worry about being taken advantage of because we, we understood what the rules of the road are going into this. Mm, that's so good. And in a sense, by holding people to those expectations, it's, you're kind of, you're not just kind of, you are exemplifying love in a different kind of way. Love for yourself because you respect yourself and honor yourself, but also them because you want them to be the best person they can be too and hold up their end of the bargain. So I totally love that. I love the relation to that from a parenting perspective too, because you see that all the time when parents have expectations that they lay out, but then they let their kids get away with it and it's, it's not good. Um, and then from a, a work leadership standpoint too, that just makes so much sense. They coincide so well. Yeah. And, and it's hard, right? It is. Mm -hmm. And you, you will find out as well that there are times where the easy thing to do is to give in mm. short term, but the, there's a long-term consequence to not, not stay in the line. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that's, that's part of leadership. That's, yeah. That, that's, that's what you sign up for. I think you bring up a good point too, in talk, talking about it as a, as a demonstration of love, um, I will often talk about one of the models that I use from a behavior standpoint talks about our, our need to be congruent. If we want to inspire others, then we need to walk the talk. Mm. What I say and what I do needs to be the same. That's how we build trust and, and followership. Mm -hmm. I also talk about clear expectations and, and accountability. And I believe that we have a responsibility to do that. That if 
if we're not doing the last thing about setting clear expectations and holding each other accountable, then we're not being congruent. We're la we lack mm. integrity with ourselves. Yeah. And when you talk about it that way, right, people are like, well, I don't want to be, I don't want to lack integrity. Well, that's what you do when you don't follow through on, on expectations. Mm. You, you violate your own integrity. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. That's so good. And uh, it reminds me of something that I think I talked about on your podcast last week when I was sitting there on my couch in the living room, with my little sister, and you know, I was feeling like I had some emotions going on inside and I, I preach this message of how important vulnerability is, but I didn't want to talk about what was on my heart. And I was sitting there and I was like, no, you know what? I share this message all the time. I got to do this because otherwise I don't have integrity or I'm lacking integrity. And I did it, sucked, totally didn't want to say it because it was a scary moment to share some of those things. But she was there. She was empathic. She was loving. And I felt so much better after. So it's like this message that we share about vulnerability. It's true, but it's hard, just like leadership is. Bingo. Yeah. But you, you walk the talk. You did it yourself. So that way, when you're, when you're out there talking to other people about what, how they can improve their own lives, if they were to see, pull the curtain back and, and Tommy or Patrick isn't really trying to exhibit or live what they're telling other people works, you're mm -hmm. going to be found out, right? You're, it's like you're a oh, sham. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you're, you're an imposter. And I think we talked about this as well, that a lot of the stuff that I will post on a weekly basis, whether it's quotes or, or different things to try and help people to develop, I do that for myself too. That is, that's me. It's almost like me going to the gym when I put those things out there and I'm taking other people with me. I'm taking mm -hmm. my partners to the gym with me. They're holding me accountable to what I'm putting out there for everybody else. Because I'm, when I put those out, it reminds me to walk the talk. I'm mm. going to do this too. Yeah. Every week, every day. I love that. That's so good. You know, you do so much work with emotional intelligence. And of course, vulnerability is a big part of that too. I saw this. I'm actually trying to remember. I don't remember if it was a LinkedIn post of yours or if it was the podcast I was listening to from you. But you mentioned that when you were, I believe in pharmaceutical sales, right? Yeah. When you were in pharmaceutical sales, you had mentioned that when you exhibited emotional intelligence, you had way more success than when you didn't. And there's been this huge change in leadership or it's, you know, it's still undergoing where we're trying to push people like you are trying to push the importance of emotional intelligence. And I want to learn more about how did you in that role of the pharmaceutical salesman kind of discover that emotional intelligence was a key to your success? Well, it's funny. It wasn't until I actually uh, left the industry and was going through a coaching program down in Boston and the group that I was going through the coaching program through, which was IPEC, the, the same group was also at that point doing a training workshop on this model of emotional intelligence called Genos, mm -hmm. which was created by two uh, researchers down in Australia. And I started reading the background on it. You know, they had a flyer there, whatever. And I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, huh, that just seems like what I've been doing for the past 15 years in, in a sales and training role. I mean, that's <laughs> all that it was. Mm -hmm. And I thought, boy, that's really interesting. Like I loved the concept and there were 360 assessments that you could do and ways that you could help people to develop those skill sets. So mm -hmm. that's really how 
uh, um, I understood what emotional intelligence was, but I felt like I had been doing it unknowingly parts of it before then. So understanding the, the formality, so to speak, or the framework behind emotional intelligence of perceiving, understanding, and managing my emotions and somebody else's really allowed me to, um, I think, refine how I interacted with somebody. It was almost like knowing what things worked and why they worked as opposed to just not understanding, oh, that's why those two things, that's why the outcome was the way it was because I read the situation such and interacted with that person in a way to make them feel um, that they could trust me. Mm. That was it. That, that's all it was. Um, and a, a big part of uh, emotional intelligence is around empathy. And when I was in the industry, right, I had lost both of my parents to cancer at the age of 17 and 18, about a year and a half apart. My mother died of breast cancer my junior year of high school. My dad died going into my freshman year of college when I was down at Fordham um, while I was down there. Now, with that, most of my career in the pharmaceutical industry was in um, oncology. And because of that, I felt as though I had earned the right to be there. And also what I did was when I was in offices, I really imagined that the people that were sitting in those waiting rooms, I, I knew what that was like. And if, if, if there was a rep out there that had something that really provided value for what we were dealing with, I would want them to make sure that the, the oncologist that, that, um, my dad was seeing was letting them know about that and also not pushing something that they thought wasn't going to work for them just because um, it was indicated for that, but there was something better that they could be on besides mine. So that yeah. was mixed in terms of how that went down, especially from a management standpoint, because um, I, I was managed by a number of people that that was, they didn't appreciate that um, in terms of, of me I think on the surface, they wanted emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. But when it push came to shove, and I was willing to say that what we had wasn't the best for that patient, not so much. That doesn't, yeah. that doesn't fly. Yeah. But I wasn't going to compromise that. That's so cool. I'm glad you didn't compromise that. That's awesome. And I think you bring up such a good point about the role of empathy in emotional intelligence. And I was actually just talking to my mom. We recorded a podcast on grieving together because she's lost her parents over the last few years, both of them now. And, uh, and you know, of course, there's that whole grieving process, the five or seven stages. And in my position, I couldn't totally be empathic, at least at first, because fortunately, I still have both of my parents right now. And I, so I can't be like, yeah, like, mom, I know exactly how you feel because I, I don't. And, uh, and I was asking her, we were talking a little bit about how, how can I be empathic when I haven't experienced something that somebody's gone through, something really tragic and difficult. And it was actually my dad who brought a lot of great insight into that. He shares this message about the importance of listening to listen instead of listening to respond, which is like, gosh, you hear that and you're like, dude, that is so simple, but it's so hard. Like even right now, I'll be honest, there's like moments where I'm like, all right, what should I ask Patrick next? What do I want to say? You know, like there's little hints of that for me, but I'm, I'm doing my best to be like, yeah, like I want to hear what Patrick has to say so that the conversation is even more fluent because I'm going to actually be able to relate with you more, but we're just so programmed to just listen 
figure out what we want to say and respond. And we miss the opportunity to be empathic through that. Yeah. Um, listening, I believe, is our superpower. Of all mm -hmm. things, listening is our superpower. And here we are, right? We have these in, these, mm -hmm. these headphones. Yep. And when I talk about listening with our ears, one of the things that I will often talk about is, imagine we have noise-canceling headphones in. And why do we put noise-canceling headphones in? To, to filter out everything else around us, right? So that we mm -hmm. don't hear anything else but what's coming through these things. And to me, if we think of listening to somebody else the same way that really we block everything else out, even my own thoughts, I am all I am cued in on is what you're saying. That's it. Mm. And when we can really work that muscle of listening, like we've got noise canceling headphones in is I'm, I'm here for you. I'm just listening to what you're saying. And that's hard to do. Yeah, that is really hard, especially if we've got a different agenda. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. If you're trying to sell a drug, as opposed to actually help somebody, perhaps, totally. Yeah. Now that's it. I think for, I do a lot of work in conflict management. I think if we want to resolve conflict, you can't do it without demonstrating that you really understand how to listen to somebody, that you listen to understand as opposed to just listen to hear. Mm. Can't do it. Yeah. Because we're always suspicious that you're not really listening to me. You're just, you're just hoping that I say something that you can, you can turn and use against me. That's it. That is not listening. Mm. Absolutely. Oh man, that's so good. And that goes in so many different areas from in the workplace to relationships everywhere. Yeah. I think to say that listening, truly listening is a superpower. I think you're absolutely correct. Yeah. And Tommy, you mentioned a great point is that, and that's what I love about the work that I get to do. And certainly this, you're doing it now is that these are transferable. We talk about the same, the same behaviors and skill sets will make you successful in your personal life will make you successful in your prof professional life. Either mm. way, they're, they're, it's the same set of behaviors that will work anywhere you go. You don't have to learn a different series of them or, or a, different, uh, a different approach. It works wherever you go. Yeah, I I'm love sure it. So true. Uh, well, Patrick, this conversation has been so cool. And I have a couple last questions for you before I let you go. Got it. Number one, I would love if you could repeat that quote from John Quincy Adams on leadership, because I want to leave people with that. I think that's really awesome. Sure. John's, John Quincy Adams, he says, if your actions inspire someone to dream more, do more, learn more, or become more, you're a leader. I love it. Let's all be leaders. And lastly, Patrick, if anybody wanted to connect with you or listen to your podcast or find any of your information, where could they go? Yeah, so they can go to my website, which is emeryleadershipgroup.com, and it's E-M-E-R-Y, leadershipgroup.com. Uh, Instagram, you can reach me at Coach Patrick V. And uh, Facebook, um, there is a, a Facebook page for Emory Leadership Group, or you can hit me up on LinkedIn, just uh, Googling my name. Awesome. Those are the easiest ways to, to get a hold of me. Um, and the podcast is actually Lead Like No Other. Awesome. So good. Everybody check out all his stuff. He's a great connection to have. Patrick, this has been an absolute blast. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, Tommy, thank you so much for having me. Enjoy. Thank you. And listeners, thank you so much for tuning in this week. And I will be back with another episode next Saturday.